morning. So good to be here. And a big welcome for you that is here for the first time. I hope you enjoy it. And come other times, just check it out, isn't it? Sometimes once is not enough. <laughs> so we are journeying together throughout the six-episode series called Flourish, which is based on John 10.10, 10, where Jesus announced that he came so we could have life in its fullness. So today, family is the fifth area that we are, or we believe that God wants us to flourish. So how can we do family for life? What does life in its fullness look like in the family context? Well, based on my personal experience and my observation after 50 years of existence, the first thing I have to say about family is that it's complicated. <laughs> well, did you think it was only your family? No, it's not. And I have um, um, a quote from a comedian called uh, George Carling, who expressed the universal characteristic of family, this, this particular one. He said, the other night I ate at a real nice family restaurant. Every table had an argument going. <laughs> so for some people, family is heaven, but for others it's absolute hell. However, without making general assumptions, we can say that for most people, it's a mixed experience. Uh, it's like what the actress um, Aishwarya says in, in her quote, my family is my strength and my weakness. But what about families in the Bible? Well, spoiler alert, for those who haven't read the Bible yet, or for those who didn't pay attention, there is no perfect family in the Bible. Two classic examples. The first fratricide, or a brother killing a brother, happened in the first family. In Jesus' family tree, you will find lies, betrayal, sexual immorality, homicide, etc. So, even Jesus' family was not perfect. However, at the heart of the family narrative in the Bible, we have stories of struggle, failure, but also stories of redemption. We have principles, values, that can help us flourish in our families. But before we proceed, I must say also, for you that are here, who has no family, or have a very complicated relationship with your family, please don't zoom out. God loves you, and He welcomes you into His family. I believe that this message is also for you. The text that we are going to explore today is Colossians 3, 18 to 21. You can open your Bible, uh, paper Bible, or use the gadget, or it will come up on the screen behind me. So verses 18 to 21, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as it's fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. For some people, this 
this text sounds sexist or patriarchal. However, when we read it in its many contexts, we can come to a different conclusion. I don't know why they gave this difficult text to me, but I'll talk to Rob afterwards. <laughs> so I'll give you a little bit of context, okay? So many leaders and philosophers over time try to reinforce the importance and structure of the family according to the values of their culture. So the norm was that they addressed the man because in their idea, the man was, everything belonged to the man. It not, was not even about relationship, it was, was about belonging. He was the owner of everything. So we have this, uh, in, even in Aristotle, which is uh, a famous uh, philosopher, in his treatise about politics, uh, he recognized that a household is the smallest part of society. And note that when he describes the family's relationship, look at what, what, it, what you get in the quote. He says, The primary and smallest parts of the household are master and slave, husband and wife, father and children. So, in his way of putting it, it's first the man, then the rest. What was important was how the man handled everything else. So he would not write, oh, wives or children. No, he would write to the husband or to the man. Okay? But then comes Paul. Paul broke out from social conventions by the way he addressed the household relationships. He does that by addressing each member of the household. He particularly addressed women and children first. I don't know if you, if you are aware of this, but in the, in, in the ancient times, the, the place an item came in the list also determined the importance of that item. Okay? So for Paul, he gets then the ones that had no voice and no choice and put them first. And why? So to explain that, I have to bring another text from Paul. Because to understand what he thinks about this, we must understand also his, his broader thought. So in Galatians 3, from 26 to 28, we read, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is that male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So therefore, in Christ, as a follower of Christ, there is no difference of importance between men and women. So this is the background. Paul's instructions address two sides of the family relationship. The first side is the relationship between wife and husband, and husband and wife. So the first two verses that we read, they talk, he talks about it. And what we find here first, he talks about submission. Oh, what a hard word in this time we live in. 
But according to what we just read about how Paul thinks, submission here is not only a matter of the wife to the husband, but it's a mutual submission because we are all the same. So, in this relationship, submission must be mutual and voluntary. And that's why he addresses the woman first. Because by that time, the man could subjugate the woman. He could force the person into submission. But then he is saying to the woman, submit to your husband. Why? Because first, it's something that must be volunteered. Nobody can make you submit. Submission is something that must come voluntarily. But in this case, it's also the submission of the man to the wife. Someone might say, you're saying this because you don't know my husband or wife. So the most important advice I can give to you now is pray. Ask for God's help. But then, for us to understand that is mutual submission that Paul is talking about, in Ephesians 5.21, he says, in another list of, of, of household uh, um, uh, duties, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, when he's asking people to submit, he's prompting us to be actors and not reactors into the relationship or in the relationship. In other words, I voluntarily submit. No one is forcing me to that. So, this is what Paul says. I'll give you some practical um, um, tips, if I can say that. Always remember that God is in the face of the other. This is one of the easiest ways to convince us to submit to each other. When we see the other, we see God's image. The person is invested with God's image. But also, it's important to become interdependent. And that is so difficult because some people, they get married thinking that they can live as, as a single. They still carry on the, the, the mentality of a single person. But the idea is to become interdependent, where we depend on each other. And then third, do not keep secrets from each other. To submit to each other is to be open about everything. It's to really let the other know what you're going through. Let the other know what you're thinking. Let the other know what you do. In a practical way, your wife must, must know the, the, your password for your mobile phone and, and vice versa. And then admit your, to your own faults and failures. Be open. Be vulnerable. But then... Paul, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, second, the, the next verse, he says that's not only about submission, it's also about love. He says, love must be shown through kindness. I don't know about you, but this is where I fail 
miserably. I love my family, but unfortunately, they are the ones that take the end of my anger because they are closest. Unfortunately, not every time I can hold from being harsh. So the most important advice I can give you today about it is pray. Ask for God's help. And I remember many times when we had, you know, it was during one of our deepest crises in our marriage. We had argued, but then it was time to go to bed. I know that some couples, they, they, they assign the, 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 the sofa for, to the other one, isn't it? But I don't think that's right. We never gave up our bed, you know, both of us. So we had to share it. But in order to do that well, we, we, we always would come to prayer. We knew that we failed, but we knew that God could help us. So many times, even unwillingly, we would pray. And the prayer is very simple in this stage. God, help. I don't know what to do. We couldn't figure it out as civilized people. But you can help us. Please help us. Do better. Help us. And indeed helped. We are still together. With not so many needs to pray before going to bed anymore. <laughs> but again, there are some practical uh, 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 tips. I notice that when I'm really harsh on my family, there's something going on with me. Most of the time, for some reason, I am going on the opposite direction from God. I notice that when I fail in my sanctification, in my search for God, was the time that was most, where I was most harsh with my family as well. So it means that if I repent, Things will be restored and always helped to get things straight with God first and then get God's help to do the right thing. But take responsibility for your weakness. How? Asking for forgiveness. Some people want to live as if nothing went wrong, as if he didn't do or didn't hurt the people he loves or she loves. The best way to do that is to ask for forgiveness, to, to recognize you have failed, and ask for God's help. But also try to wait before you speak, because most of the time the hurt comes when we open our mouth. So if you wait, and try to pray while you wait, that's a good thing. I know it is going to help you. There is a, a proverb that says, even the fool is taken to be wise when he's silent. So do it. 
But the second side of, of, of the family relationship that Paul's instructions addresses is the relationship between children and parents, and parents and children. And again, he starts with the children. On the verse 20, he says, children to obey the parents. So obedience must be the fruit of the willingness to please the Lord. So I'm going to read to you the, 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 the message version on the, for this uh, verse 20. It says, children, do what your parents tell you. This delights the master no end. Well, since we are most, mostly parents here, I'll say something to you instead of, of to your children. If you teach your children the willingness to please the Lord by example, it will be much easier for them to obey you. When they see that you really take as an important thing to please the Lord, and they can see that in your life, it will be much easier for them to obey you. But again, the most important advice I can give you on this is pray. You got the gist. Ask for God's help. Because I don't know about you. I've noticed very early when my, my, my daughter was born that she was not a robot. She had her, her, her own will, you know. So, yeah, you must pray. But she's a good kid. But then Paul goes to the parents and say that correction must be balanced with encouragement. As I said, kids are not robots. robots. They have feelings. They are persons. They are people. And again, <clears throat> it's important for you to aim on the heart and not their behavior. This is a common mistake of parents. They are concerned about the behavior of the children. They try to force the child to conform to the right behavior. But behind most behavior, there is a reason from the heart It's not about control. It's about influence. To me, a key word in this is balance. It's important for us as parents to balance between yeses and noes, between criticism and encouragement, between seriousness and fun. If you are too strict, as Paul says, Kids will lose joy, encouragement. They will feel discouraged even to obey you. But you, if you know how to balance those things, they will, have, they will recover the joy. But then, what about those who have no family? What about those who have an estranged relationship with their family? So I have good news for you. According to Poe, in Ephesians 3, verse 19, part B, it says, You are no longer foreigners or strangers, 
but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So I can tell you that everyone can be part of God's family. Everyone can be part of God's family. God provides the family for everyone. But how can you become part of God's family? Well, first of all, say yes to following Jesus. Say yes to following Jesus. If you haven't said yes to following Jesus yet, you can do it now. And you had just um, another chance right in, in communion. Now you have another one. I don't know about you, but I, I didn't, we didn't talk about it. It's not agreed. It, it reveals that God ha- has something for you here if you have not said yes to following Jesus. Now is the time. You can do that. But you might already be a follower of Jesus, but you haven't experienced the church as God's family yet. So what do you do? The most important advice I can give you is pray. Ask for God's help, but also be intentional. Be intentional about developing new friendships. Rob, last week, talked about it. If you haven't watched it, go online and watch it. But also be patient and gracious because people make mistakes. Join a small group. Join a small group. There's an amazing opportunity coming up. Don't lose this opportunity to start feeling family. The small group is so important. Even though we meet different people, different ages, different countries, but in God we can become family. But also join, join a team. When we walk together, we come to know people as well and come to care for people. <clears throat> and I want to finish with a quote from George Bernard Shaw. Because he was right when he said, a happy family is but an early heaven. So we can be a happy family. And we can flourish if we just follow God. If we just allow God to change us. Are you up for it? <laughs>